Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a Drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode we're discussing chapters 33 and 34 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and listen along on this drunken reminiscent journey. Hello again. Hello again. How are you since we last recorded like an hour ago? Like, do you mean like two minutes ago? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Good. But this is a mess already. Yes, because we've had a lot to drink. It's because we just poured one out for Cedric. Yeah, we just did a shot for Cedric. <laughs> you know this. You listened two weeks ago. Uh, I'm looking at my favourite review for this week and I chose it and I'm trying to find it. So my favourite one is from Twike. I don't I don't know how you pronounce that. They say, well, it's finally happened. I've gone down a rabbit hole of Potter podcast shows so deep that I've ended up here. Dot, dot, dot. Thanks. I, I love how ended up here. Like, this is the bottom. This is this the is lowest that the Harry Potter podcast. resort. <laughs> like, when people are discussing Harry Potter podcasts on, like, Reddit and stuff, it's like, do you know the last one we could talk about? Goblet of Wine. When you've listened to literally every other Harry Potter podcast, and there is many, and you have no nothing else to listen to that's when you listen to Goblet of Wire we are garbage Garbage fire fire. (laughs) I don't even know if I'm allowed to use some of the words and phrases I've heard on this show in a review because there might be rules about that and I can't stop laughing my ass off jolly good show jolly good good show jolly good show Uh, show. I don't know if you're allowed to either me and Charlie were discussing the other day looking at each other we proofread each other's CVs and we were both just working on them just for like business related reasons so we were both just helping each other and then we were like discussing in detail whether to put the name of this podcast on our cvs because we work in digital marketing podcasting is such a new amazing way of digital marketing wow if we put the name of the podcast before people meet us they might google the podcast and the latest episode is always called something like voldemort is full of wank come sock in my mouth snakes furry yeah i mean i full-on just put the link on my cv so people will literally click it and the first thing it opens on is a massive blown up photo of me just like downing some booze (laughs) so my favorite review of this week is from herhaba 1996 who says i've been enjoying this podcast during lockdown and it's been like having two drunk friends discussing harry potter i can now after listening to all the episodes actually tell you guys apart high five for you we seriously need merch that's we said it before but i can tell them part i can't and then this review says i love charlie's inappropriately dirty mind and hannah is amazing as well open brackets (laughs) sorry hannah love you as much promise close brackets i love this i don't think you do hebaba i think you love me less i love this reoccurring joke that everyone hates hannah and loves me no because my ego is not strong enough to handle this joke i am going to cry no i love it because it's one of those things like you know where like because i've got goes without saying a very like take the piss out of humor but the thing is you had noticed i i'm so nice to people i don't like and i'm only i only take the piss of those i don't it's like a compensating thing so this just makes me believe that everyone's like oh yeah we love charlie and hate hannah because they hate me because it's the reverse they wouldn't actually joke that they hated you and preferred me if it wasn't the opposite do you understand the insanity in my I brain? I do, but I still think they all hate me. They hate the both of us. Yeah. Let's move on to our new Patreons. I'm in a singing mood. This happens when I'm like five drinks in, guys. It does. Can confirm. Oh, To be fair, also happens when she's sober. A giant thank you to Arcadia. Um, who said thank you to Soul? A ginormous thank you to Cassidy. An extra-normous thank you to Ella. And a fun-sized thank you to Kate. The biggest thank you of all time to our producer-level patron, Mike. And our other new producer-level patron, Carl. They are both helping to support this podcast in so many ways. And also, they get to choose our alcohol. On to the episode. Chapter 33. The Death Eaters. Voldemort has risen. You could almost say that Voldemort is... Erect. No. (laughs) Voldemort is... Alive. (laughs) 
I mean, think of the scene in the book when, is it Fudge finally believes that Voldemort's... Uh, He's a- back! Yeah, so Voldemort is... Voldemort is... <laughs> Just tell me! But... He just back the- alive. He's Voldemort back. Voldemort is back. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Guess who's <laughs> back? Tell a friend. Yes. <laughs> that took me so long. I was like, "What? What do you? What do you want? What do you want from me? How didn't you see that coming? Can we do it again from the beginning. I was too distracted. Guess, Guess who's back? Back, back again. <laughs> Voldy's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> we finally did it when it was relevant. <laughs> oh, high five. That was good. That was good. That was good. Shit. Oh my God, we didn't say what we were drinking. Oh shit. What are we drinking? Because I don't know. Taste it. It's a very weird, it's like a lemony color. Oh fuck. What is, did you just poison me? It's basically a poor man's white sangria. What is that? It's white wine. Why would you do that to me? Some vodka and lemon juice. It should have actual like fruit and limes in, but I don't have fruit or limes. Yeah. Because it's the end of my two weeks after my big shop. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> if anyone was ever doubting if I actually don't like wine, if I just say it for the banter, that reaction to me drinking wine without knowing it just says it all. It's got lemon in it. Oh, that is actually abhorrent. I quite like it. So Voldemort... Caresses his own body. Big mood. He's like Foldy's getting ready for a wank. Rubbing it. Is that mm-hmm. well? To be fair, would that be the first thing you do when you get a new body? Maybe. Um, you would want to make sure everything was in working in order. order. Unless we said at the end, of, like we said at the end of the last episode, he just doesn't care about that element of things. Well, yeah, but I think there's a difference between like wanting to know you still got your bits to do something with that, and just out of curiosity i think what we've also got to remember here is that voldemort is actually a 70 year old man canonically yeah no they're the perviest of all the pervs <laughs> that's a bit mean to the 70 year olds um so uh, Voldem- they voted brexit they <laughs> can get true. fucked so voldemort wants to test his wand slash his powers and he does this by throwing wormtail against a headstone bear in mind this man just gave him a hand and is still bleeding from yeah. the stump of that okay. hand and i think this really shows us within two senses what kind of man Voldemort is. Like, obviously, we know what kind of man Voldemort is. Not the best. Not the best. There's been better men. But, like, he rules by fear and intimidation. Um, So I'm sure that we know this and I'm just being a dumb bitch. How does he have his wand? He says, give me the wand to Wormtail, doesn't he? No, but how does does Wormtail have the wand? Right. Um... (laughs) I have a lot of questions about the whole wand thing, especially in terms of Cedric dying. Because, yeah, when Voldemort was defeated at Harry's parents, we learn in his monologue that he had no body. He was, like, less than a spirit. He was just a form. How does a form pick up wand? Well, yeah, because he couldn't have taken it with him. But we know it's his original wand. Because we it's do. Because Priori and Cantatum, it pairs with Harry's. Exactly. So he definitely didn't take it with him. He did. He must have done. Unless someone came after. Did, like, Wormtail come after to the wreckage and take it? No. No, Wormtail... I'm going to Google it because I'm sure this is... Wormtail was there the next day when Sirius tracked him down. He then turned into a rat for 13 years and then finally went back to Voldemort only when he thought that Sirius was going to kill him. I'm Googling it. All right, then. This is a big plot hole we've discovered, though, actually. You are absolutely right, and I didn't even pick up on this. I assumed you were going to be like, oh, Charlie, we've been through this. It's mentioned. No, it's actually a damn good point, because it is his wand. It is his original wand, because of Priority and Cantata. Uh, so apparently, as per J.K. Rowling, Wormtail, desperate to curry favour, salvaged it from the place it had fallen and carried it to him. I admit it would have been rather a bit of a feat for a rat but they're highly intelligent creatures wait but from the place that it was salvaged so he must have done it on the night i, I guess and then carried it with him for because you would think that they years. wouldn't have like for 13 years just left 
left it there. Just No. It can't... Uh, the wand can't have been there 13 years. No. So maybe Wormtail, before meeting Sirius, went back, grabbed it, stashed it somewhere secret, mm. and then when he left Hogwarts after Harry spared him, went back to that place... Because he knew he was going to go back to help Voldemort. Yeah. And then somehow... Yeah, that would have made... Do you know what would help? If she'd mentioned this in the text. <laughs> exactly. Because it's just like, and then his wand... How? He Where? had no body. Yeah. No, it's a really fucking good point. Okay. So Voldemort begins monologuing, which is a theme of... The... This chapter is one monologue, guys. We're just oh, yeah. basically going to be reading out what Voldemort says. He says to Harry that his father was a muggle, which I find really strange that he tells Harry because... We know he pretends to be pure blood to the Death Eaters, but he just like openly admits to Harry that his father was a muggle. Also, as someone that has a fear of admitting weakness, <laughs> and considering Voldemort considers any muggle association a weakness, I'm just like, can't relate. This is weird. He kind of starts talking about his family and says that his dad got his mum pregnant and then left her when he discovered she was a witch and Voldemort vowed revenge. Which is just such a, like, I get that it's, that's his narrative, but that's such a worse story than the actual what happened. But it is his Like, it's, I do like the fact that we're given this narrative in book four for it to be changed in book six to like technically technically the same story but like wildly different yeah i think that's great yeah so wormtail is just like writhing around on the floor ah, ah, ah. yeah great impression uh and then Voldy. i know that voldemort's not a nice man I, I feel like there might be some books written about it but he is such a dick to wormtail yep. so he tells wormtail to reach out his arm yeah and Wormtail's like, oh, thank you, Master, thank you. And then he's like, no, the other one. Uh, I refuse to believe that the only way to call the Death Eaters is by pressing on the dark mark of one of the Death Eaters, because if Voldy was just alone... He presses on his own? Yep, yeah, so, exactly. So why is he asking Wormtail? Because he likes just, it. He's just fucking with him. Yeah, no, he must have a way to call them without a Death Eater being there. So he's just doing it to fuck with him. But also, why does it hurt? Mm. What is the benefit of this hurting? I don't know. He just gets off on it. He so, clearly does. So, he presses the dark mark. Death Eaters slowly start to appear. Yes. And he begins to shame the Death Eaters. He de- for he's not... Shame. 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 We're uh, ringing bells. We're ringing bells. You can't see it, but we are. For not finding him. There's an important line where he says he took steps to guard himself against mortal death. Yeah. It's just an important little line. Also, the Death Eaters just start to crawl up and kiss his robes. Which is like, I get that they were weird, like, worshipping him, but this is just a whole nother level of, like, eh? It's Grown-ass men that are, like, high political figures. Oh, yeah. It's full on, like, totalitarian. Like, there is one guy, and they are all follow him. Yeah. He tortures Avery, basically, as an example, for the rest of the Death Eaters. And I think it's a very good... This whole chapter is, like, very good explained to us that Voldemort's second reign, we don't know what his first name was like, but his second reign will be, like, led completely off fear. These Death Eaters went on and lived normal lives in high-power positions in the Ministry, and they come back because they're scared. Yeah. And then he intimidates them into fear. We know the Malfoys only continue to follow Voldemort out of fear. This is, like, a huge plot point in Book 7. We know that Draco only did what he did out of fear. Yes, he's an evil little shit, shit but he doesn't actually want to do what Voldemort wants him to do and ruling by fear never works long term never you have to have people actually believe in your cause and Voldemort no longer seems worried about that in this book yeah also when he's uh torturing Avery he's screaming loads and Harry's like oh someone's got to hear I hope the muggle police come Harry what do you think they're gonna do kill him. <laughs> They'll see them approaching and just be like, Avada Kedavra. Oh no, the police have gone. I think it's like, or like terrifyingly the police would approach. childlike. Yeah. Though, like, it's horrifyingly childlike to read Harry begging for the police because he doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. But realistically, like, the police would approach, they would see Voldemort, they'd be like, nah, he why? This all good. 
That's fine. That's a very white man. These very white Death Eaters. This is some good KKK shit. I'm out of here. Yeah, this is just the KKK. They're our friends. I'm, you know, I join them every other Tuesday. I mean, Uh, we don't have the KKK in the UK, but pretty much, We probably have similar. We probably have similar, yeah. yeah. Almost definitely. And then they would turn around and Voldemort would spot them and kill them. That's what would happen. I mean, it kind of looks like the KKK. We got a circle. I mean, literally the Death Eaters robes are meant to be a parallel to the KKK uniform. Which is a... A lot to unpack. There's there's Uh, some things there that we won't... Voldemort makes Wormtail a silver hand. Finally. And there is some very important things going on here. May your loyalty never waver again. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just... You just don't realise how important some of the things in this chapter are. The blood, the hand, like... So then Voldemort kind of goes around the circle talking to each one of them. He points to six missing spots. Yes. And he says that there are three dead, one cowardly... Which is Karkaroff. One left him and one still in his service at Hogwarts. So the one I believe has left me forever, he's talking about Snape. Snape. And the one my most faithful still in my service is Crouch. Yeah. But this is really, really interesting because that's what we know. Yeah. But when you read this not knowing, you would assume you don't know who the one cowardly is. When he says the faithful one is at Hogwarts, you go... Well, I've learned Snape is a Death Eater. And it's he's at Hogwarts. Snape. However, you also know that Carcroft's there and you're like, is it Snape? Ah. And then you know that there's a bunch of weird shit that was going on with Crouch and, and also Ludo Bagman. Of course, like there's a lot of people at Hogwarts. But yeah, Carcroft is also at Hogwarts. Yeah, so you basically have like four people to fill three spots and you're trying to work out who is who. Yeah, it's, it's so clever, the red herrings in this book. Like... Yeah. And it's just actually, it's not even like she's just dangled a load of red herrings, which she has. But she's then kind of given you these spots. Like, this is this is the answer. There is one that's left, mm. one that's cowardly, and one that's still in service. And you have the information to pretty much work it out. Because Karkaroff, you know, couldn't be loyal because he gave in the Death Eaters. So you're kind of like, mm. could it be him? Snape, you know, Dumbledore trusts. And then the third spot, you know Ludo was cleared, Crouch is dead, so who is that third person? You know you're meant to know them. Yeah. Like it's so clever. Like yeah. she does for what turns out to be, and I'll get into this in a bit, quite a ridiculous plot <laughs> to get Harry to this graveyard. It's made incredibly clever by the characters. Yeah. So Voldy then begins to explain Lily's sacrifice and that he can now touch Harry. I can't touch you. We legally cannot touch each other still. Don't touch me. This is very important for something to do with blood magic. I don't fully remember it, so I'm really excited to get to book seven. It said, he explains that when the curse first hit him, he was spirit without a body, so he hid in a forest inhabiting bodies of animals. He said he was deep in an Albanian forest. Whoop, 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 whoop. We've started costing up Albanian trips, guys. I yeah. mean, currently it's not on the list of travel corridors to the UK, but uh, 2021 is our year. Wormtail starts to make his way to Voldemort after book three. On his way, right outside, right when he was, you know, outside that Albanian forest, he stopped for some food at an, they call it an inn. An inn implies a pub, but I'm not... Yeah. I'm, anyway. Yeah. And in this inn, outside this... Random Albanian forest was Bertha Jorkins. Yeah. And we later learned in chapters that Bertha Jorkins was the only person to know about Crouch's son. Yeah. There's a lot of coincidence There's here. also, because I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or only outside of it, but we went to look up the Albania war. That was what I made the drunk note about, yes, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So <laughs> the other day we uh, went out uh, and we were supposed to just drink in a park and then it ended up at like... 2am or something. Having like black Sambuca and Jaeger bombs. Yeah, and then I wrote a note on my phone and I remember Hannah distinctly going, Charlie, you're not going to work out what that says in the morning. And me going, it's fine. And then having to check out in the morning like, Hannah, I just found this on my phone. What does it mean? Uh, So it's Albania, J.K. Tolling, Way, Le Mans. Okay, so basically this relates to the fact that 
Why was Bertha Jorkins going to Albania in the first place? I think, okay, I but think... Hang on, hang I on. I think it's mentioned in this book that she has family in Albania. Because what we're, what we're basically getting at here is Albania is not like a holiday destination from the UK. Albania, although technically can be a tourist destination nowadays, it up until very recently was still in the throes of like an extremely big war in Europe that we need to look up a lot more about before we visit there and like explore the issue a lot more. But it's still recovering from that. So it's not like a tourist decision. It's not be like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, the south of France or Portugal or Greece. So I think it's mentioned in this book that she never met the family she was meant to meet in Albania. So she has family in Albania. So that makes sense. But like, she's in this inn on the edge of the forest the same night Wormtail's there. Like, Here's the thing, life is full of weird coincidences, but this one is just like perfect line for Voldemort to return. So, okay, the entire Harry Potter book series was set from 1991 to 1998. So this would be 1995, right? Yeah, 94, 95, yeah. Okay, so I don't think there was any active wars. There was like a cut literally two years later. Oh. Not involving us, but with Berisha, Italy, Mm. Turkey, Greece. Yeah, that that was quite a big one. Yeah. So it would have been, it's still a weird, really random country for her to go to. Admittedly, they wouldn't have been at war. Okay. But it, it's still like, even now, like when we tell people that we're going to go to Albania, it's like, are you allowed? Albania? And like, my mum was literally like, no, but how do you get there? Because like, are you allowed? Like, how do you get there? So it's just like weird that it's not like, if it was like, oh yeah, she was in Turkey or Greece, you're like, yeah, yeah. British holiday. But I'm pretty sure it's mentioned in this book that she never met the family she was meant to meet. So if she has Albanian family, then that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay, so on one hand, I'm like annoyed at the coincidental nature of this, that like on the night that Wormtail was travelling to meet Voldemort, she's in the bar and she's the only person that knows about Crouch. But on the other Which hand... I can't remember how or why, but we'll get to it. We'll get to so it. So don't tell me, but... But on the other hand, Voldemort has been in hiding for 13 years and any number of factors colliding could have come to his return. So it's not... It's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, it's a weird coincidence, but at some point, that colliding of coincidences had to happen. Like, just at some point. So it's just one of those, like, life things. And there's a lot more coincidences that happen after that to go into him than actually coming back. But I think, like, we spoke about this at the time in the third book, like, my theory that Wormtail is actually a really, like, intelligent, like, good wizard. Mm. But this kind of backs it up because it's, like, so many people over those years, like, could have tracked Voldemort down and none of them did. And it, like, took Wormtail, he actually managed to do it. Like, no one else managed to find Voldemort. And within, like, a summer, he had found yeah. Voldemort within a month or two and also like he could have like after he ran away from Harry he literally could have just lived off the rest of his life yeah as a rat yeah and done nothing like if he genuinely had only helped out Voldemort in the first place because he was scared he wouldn't have gone back to him now yeah I genuinely think that not only was he on Voldemort's side and believed Voldemort's bullshit but he was then also like a very strategic intelligent like yeah. he went back by choice and he found him through skill yeah and then you know so he bumps into Bertha Jorkins I'm not quite sure because I assume this was a muggle in how they both knew each other were wizards maybe no. maybe she just thought that he was a, a potential suitor because oh, maybe. it's not like she could have looked at him and gone oh no but you're what's his actual name Peter Peter Pettigrew yeah you're Peter Pettigrew because then she would have been like you shouldn't be alive. Life, yeah. I'm not going to come with you. Because it says that he convinced her to take a nighttime stroll. So maybe she just wanted a little romantic stroll. Exactly. And good for birth. So, yeah, we now I love a uh, sexually independent. Well, now I'm about to get it. Because what it implies is that it does imply they, a nighttime stroll. It does imply that she wanted to go off with him. So then it says Wormtail overpowered her, brought her to Voldemort. Voldemort tortured her for information, found out a lot more than he could have ever dreamed, and then she was too damaged both in mind and body. And this is where some trigger warnings down. I did. Shit's getting serious. There's some trigger warnings. They'll all be in the description of actual time sense, but there's some trigger warnings about rape and unwanted pregnancy and all sorts of things. There is a theory online that Voldemort's initial form, not his spirit form, not his final form, this weird scabby baby form, is a product of Wormtail. Yeah, I can see where you impregnating Mm. Bertha 
already love never heard this before love You've... this series it's horrible okay so why this has some backing is that jk rowling was 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 once asked in an interview how did voldemort get that initial baby form and she said i told my editor because he asked and he said it was so horrifying i could never have relit to anyone he said it made him feel sick and i'm never allowed to tell it and i was like when i heard that yeah. plus this theory i was like no no this theory is right this this yeah. is how it happened because yeah. like why does he have this weird baby form and yeah it's the line and for... that says she her body was of no more it's the explicit like use of the word body and the mention of the nighttime stroll where i'm getting this horrible quite yeah. sexual connotations and yeah it's sickening but i i am actually completely believe in this theory yeah i i agree first i'm hearing it but yeah like this adds a lot for me and i think that if the editor had thought it was like the editor wouldn't think it was horrible if it was just like and then there was some magic voodoo blah 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 you know if it was just some like made up magic reason and i don't think she was ever going to put it in the book i think the editor asked and she was like yeah. oh yeah this yeah. and he was like it has to be don't tell press yeah. that please it has to be something based in reality for it to be that horrifying so this makes a lot of sense and yeah that's that's vile yeah it's i mean even if you discount that theory what the way they speak about bertha is so disgustingly sexist and reductionary they speak of her like she's an object yeah. like she was the greatest asset i could have hoped her her mind and body had no more use for me whether you believe in this theory we're saying or not the way that voldemort and i think this does like the wizarding world doesn't have doesn't seem to have as much sexism as the muggle world but the way voldemort and wormtail speak of and treat this woman is so abhorrent it but also it's not a million miles away from things you hear about and see in our world and our present day yeah. of using women as objects like but yeah. it's shocking reading it in like a harry potter book it's really yeah. reading it from an adult perspective i think as a child i was just like oh yeah they tortured her and then reading it as an adult i'm like this was an adult like mid 30 year old woman who had like her life ahead of her and people who people dismissed as like gossipy and silly and that's the thing i don't feel she got enough justice in the books because she was dismissed as gossipy and her treatment is absolutely abhorrent yeah definitely that that theory is just like yeah that's grim i'm shook so um boulder says that he's gonna prove his strength by killing harry <laughs> and, and then <laughs> i love voldemort if you want to prove your strength by killing harry just fucking do it stop monologuing yep and then he orders Wormtail to untie him and give him his wand back. Voldemort talks about the whole, how the whole Triwizard Tournament was a setup so that Harry could touch the cup. Yeah. Why? Why could anything be a porky? If the whole point was yeah, Harry to Voldemort, why couldn't have his textbook been a porky? Now, I know the answer to this. It's because, oh, they wanted to make his death look accidental because I think the plan was to actually put Harry's body back in the maze and say so he yeah. got run over by a sphinx which maybe explains why the porky then was gonna go back maybe they were gonna send harry's body back and be like huh it was an accident which if you just sent him off by via textbook when moody gave it to him in his office then suspicion would have been drawn but still it's an entire year that voldemort had to wait for, to touch one object that's a porky it's ridiculous yeah yeah, but I guess, you know, that that waiting that year is worth it if it gives him some time to not know that he's back. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, the whole point is that the Wizarding World isn't meant to know Voldemort's back. So I guess the point was, the only way I can rectify it is that they were going to send Harry's body back. Yeah. But it would have been <laughs> weird thinking about it had they succeeded and killed Harry. So they had no one even saying that he's back. It would have been weird because obviously they do spend a long time denying that he's back anyway. But had Harry's... Had, they literally would have had no way. So when all of this weird shit started to happen... Voldemort still would have believed that something weird was going down. Voldemort still would have known. Voldemort. Dumbledore. Okay. Yeah. Dumbledore but, still wouldn't have believed that but, Harry just died in the maze. 
I mean, the entire wizarding community never believes Dumbledore, and that's even when Dumbledore has Harry's story. Like, evidence, yeah. Exactly. So, like, the entire wizarding world, like, it would have taken them so much longer than it already does to work out, because it would just be like, but how? Like, what happened? At what point did he come back, and how? Because you wouldn't have this night pinpointed like you yeah. do in the... Where even, you know, what say he comes back, they're like, oh, yeah, so it happened then. But imagine just never knowing. Like, Voldemort just comes back one day after, like... 14 years and you just don't yeah. you're like but how he's you just suddenly back you can see why he wants to do this to like throw the whole world's wizarding world off when they're not ready so yeah. like I un- I know that's why the Triwizard Tournament was set up so that Harry could touch the cup but it's also just so bloody paying into Voldemort's ego when you bear in mind the fact that Voldemort does not even need Harry to come back to his body yeah. he needs any wizard who's his enemy yeah so, chapter anyway, 34, Priory Incantatum. So, Voldemort orders Harry to bow. Yes. So, because they're starting a duel. And after doing that, he immediately starts the duel with the Cruciatus Curse, mm-hmm. which is horrible. Harry's inner monologue is talking a lot about his fear of death. He's very knowledgeable that he's going to die, Mm. but he fears it. And I think this is a really, really nice comparison to draw to book seven, where he knows he's going to die. And although he fears it, he's ready for it. In this book, he's panicked by the idea, but he's also completely determined not to play to Voldemort's game, not to give him what he wants. And it's incredible. And I think this is the first time you can really see why Harry is the chosen one, because I don't think any of the other characters in the books that we know of could have gone through this mind process that Harry's going off where I'm not going to crouch down. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to play to his game. Yeah. I wouldn't do this in this situation. I'd just fucking run. Yeah. I'd just fucking run and die. Like, I, I also <laughs> think it plays into like the thing we get later on about how Dumbledore's raised him for a lamb to slaughter. Like, yes. Harry, although, you know, he's more like panicked and like sad at this point when he kind of comes to the terms with, okay, I'm here, surrounded by Death Eaters and Voldemort and I've got no way to get back and no one's going to come save me. And he, you know, is like sure he's going to die. But he still takes it far better than, like, we would Not in yet, that situation. I just shit myself, run, and d- just be killed. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, he... I think there's an incredible line in book six, which actually sums this up retroactively. Harry says something about... I'm going to read it out in book six, but it's something like, it's the difference between walking into the lion pen dragged yeah. and walking in with your head held high. Some would say it makes no difference at all, because I wrote later on when he's hiding behind the gravestone... He knows he's going to be killed in this moment. Mm. He knows in the next five seconds he's going to be killed. So it literally doesn't make a difference to him if he's crouched down or if he's stood up fighting. He's going to die. But Harry has this internal thing of, it does make a difference. It makes a difference whether I'm playing along, whether I'm crouched down or whether I'm stood up fighting. And that is mm. an incredible strength of character. Yeah. And it and it's good not only because it does make a difference to Harry and how he sees himself and how he goes out, but it makes a difference in these Death Eaters, how they're going to see it. You know, they could either see Voldemort killing this, like, young boy crouching in fear or, like, boy who actually stands up against him and puts up a fight yeah. and how they'll then serve Voldemort in the future. So it's also, like, really smart. Yeah, it is also really smart and it probably affects the Death Eaters' behaviour in later books. Yeah, exactly. Especially when they do see then Voldemort, you know, failed to kill Harry. Yeah. Voldemort tries to make Harry say no. I can't remember why. He asked him a question and the answer He's would like, be no. do you want this pain to end? Yeah. No, do you want... I don't remember. It's something about wanting the pain to end. Yeah. And tries to make him say no. He then uses Imperio to try and make him say no. And Harry manages to throw it off. Which you're just like, yes, boy. And this is the bit where you can... Like, this is the I'm bit dancing. where... You guys can't see, but I'm dancing. Yeah. But where in the Death Eaters' minds, it must start to, like, undermine Voldemort that yeah. he's tried to do Imperio. And that, because until this point, like, you know, we know that Harry has, like, defeated him as baby, but that could be for any reason or just by chance. And that's the narrative that Voldemort tries to spin, that it wasn't any of his own skill. It was just his mother's protection. And then the stuff kind of were in the previous books. It's like, oh, that could be skill or that could just be luck. But a lot and... of it is, like, you know, Fork shows up at the right time. Yeah. And, like, so... But this is, like... You kind of, like, have this point where it's, like, in the Death Eaters' eyes and, like, the kind of wider wizarding community as well it's this defining moment of is harry the chosen one Mm. and he's someone powerful and like a good opposition or is he just this boy that's just fallen into this into this circumstance which is what voldemort would have them believe and harry actually standing up 
and fighting off Imperio and then ducking Crucio a moment later and then hiding behind the grave but then a moment later coming out and standing tall is the moment when I think that this has a lot to do with Voldemort being defeated later on because it's the moment where all of the Death Eaters actually see, see that there is a powerful opposition and that they're only following Voldemort out of fear but here's this boy who can actually stand up to him and actually go head to head against him when yeah. he's like 14, 15. But the most incredible thing about the way this book is written is, yes, Harry is the chosen one because he can go up against Voldemort. He can fight off this Imperius curse. He can duck Crucio. But he can do that because of the circumstance of what's happened to him. He can fight off Imperius because the person that taught him to fight it off was Voldemort's spy. And yes, Harry had it within him the whole time, Mm -hmm. but it was used to unlock him. So in some ways, what the books teach us is Harry is someone who was just born into circumstance. He is a normal boy. And I think the most incredible thing about the books, especially in book six, is this parallel between Harry being the chosen one and being this classic trope of the one born for destiny with all this power and a normal kid who's happened to fall into these circumstances. And Harry is both. And they weave into each other. Harry is the chosen one, but because those circumstances have forced him to be one. It's like how they say in book six, like he has to defeat Voldemort at some point because he can't live his life any other way because of the circumstances that have led to that point. And like, Harry is a normal kid in a lot of ways, but... Voldemort in some ways has led him to this point where he can throw off the Imperius curse and he can duck the Crucio and it's just like but you're completely right like the Death Eaters know that Harry is more powerful than Voldemort gives him credit for especially by book seven because they've witnessed all these events yeah Harry does throw him off and it's just like just written so cleverly and if Voldemort just left him tied up and just Varda could It'd be fine, but no, he's got a monologue and yeah. He's got to be like, I've got to kill him like a man, which I understand. I guess if I was going to kill someone, I wouldn't want the like disadvantage of them being like tied up, but yeah. still. Yeah. So <sighs> Harry decides not to hide. So he comes out from behind the grave uh, and stands up. He uses Expelliarmus and Voldemort uses Avada Kedavra. The spells combine and turns gold yeah so a gold thread now connects the two wands and harry's hand is stuck to the wand while the wand vibrates they float to a new spot which it's never explained why yeah uh, they just do it's a bit unnecessary they didn't have to i think it was so the death eaters were further but they all just come again i know i don't get why they float to a new spot the light from the gold connecting the two ones then splinters into a cage at this point harry's like what the fuck is going on and phoenix song begins to emerge from the cage and harry knows in this moment he cannot break the connection but he can do this yeah and it says the the phoenix song gives him hope because it represents like dumbledore Dumbledore. to him which like (sighs) I just, I really love, I love that there's this kind of reoccurring theme of, like, the phoenix. I think it's a big shame it didn't come into it more in, like, book seven. I would have liked to see that kind of come full circle. Especially because, like, oh my god, the phoenix song is singing because both, it's not because of Dumbledore, it's because the ones have been... Well 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 done, Hannah. Everyone knew this. This chapter is so fucking good. I've just blown out the mic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So Uh, beads of light appear on this strand of wand and they start to make their way towards Harry. And Harry knows somehow in his mind that the beads of light, he must push them away. Which raises the question of what would happen if the beads of light touched Harry's wand. So we know that the beads of light cause priori incantatum, where it regurgitates the last spells. This causes a disadvantage to Voldemort because the last spells are people which root for Harry but if the last spells were Harry's last spells what would have happened yeah because there's like Expelliarmus and probably a few like blasting spells from being an impediment so would he have just blasted Voldemort no I don't think so because it's more like it's not real spells it's it's Mm. imitations of the last spells so I'm guessing that what would have happened is because Harry that would have caused Voldemort to be able to overpower because he was then in position of strength because the person who's being regurgitated is in the position of weakness. Yeah. I think it's also quite smart because it's like 
Kind of the way that Harry would, you know, you know he would retell this in the future is that he had no clue what was going on yeah. and it was just by chance and luck and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like, this is something really weird going on that Harry has no clue. Mm. Harry has, one, the strength to keep it going and two, like, the gut instinct to then, like, know what to do, to know to get the bees to go towards Voldemort where and he I might have thought it was a good thing for them to come to him. And I think when you have magic, something that can't possibly just be, like, written down, it's not, like maths mm. you know so much of like being a good powerful and intelligent wizard has to be this kind of like gut feeling and like core understanding of magic so the mm. fact that harry understands this and has a good gut feeling of what to do yeah i think that says a lot about his abilities as a wizard even though you know that he would retell that as just like oh but i didn't know what was going on and i think that mind power is set up with him being able to fend off the imperious curse i think it's a similar use of mind power Mm. Um, this pushing of the beads and the throwing of the Imperius Curse is very similar. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> so, the beads of light hit Voldemort's wand and the first thing to appear is a hand. And then the next thing to appear is a body. And the body is Cedric and it's made of a kind of smoke. It's not quite a ghost. It's more permanent than a ghost, but not a person. This raises a huge question about the fact that Voldemort did not kill Cedric. Which must mean that Wormtail used Voldemort's yeah. wand. I would assume so. Well, it has to because of Priory and Cantata, but why did Wormtail use Voldemort's wand? Maybe he was just holding it, about to put it into the potion. Maybe. And then, uh, so then an old man appears and then Bertha Jorkins. And they both tell him to fight to not let go. Yeah. And then, okay, are you ready for this? Oh, God. So, you guys know that I love mistakes in the books. Oh, no. But here comes... No, no, no. This gets exciting. Could you read me the li- the next line that's written in your notes, please? After Bertha appears. I don't write down the exact lines. No, wh- whatever's written next. Harry's mum appears. Good. Okay. I feel like I fucked something up for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. So, li- so Lily appears. In my copy of the book, the first edition, James appears straight after Bertha. Oh. So, in the first edition of the book... Okay, this is interesting because I had some notes around yes. what Lily yes. said. Yes! Yes! This is the so, I have been... Did I just drop the book on my head? No! Hannah literally just dropped her book on herself. I don't know where Whilst waving it above her head in excitement. Okay, you have notes about what Lily said. Yes! Okay. Not exactly what she said, but about what she said. Good. So, I have been... Noting down typos and mistakes in the books, basically, so you guys would know me as the typo and mistake girl, so that I could go into this moment in explicit Fucking detail. Hell. So, in my co- I ripped my pain. In my copy of the book, James appears first, says, "Your mother's waiting." And then Lily appears. Now, obviously this is wrong because Priorian Cantatum is meant to show Mm -hmm. the spells in reverse. But the book was published like this in the first edition. And bear in mind by book four was the first time that the book was allowed on pre-order. Therefore, hundreds of thousands of the first edition were printed. So this first edition was printed with this huge mistake in that the editor had not picked up on. And it wasn't until fans started writing to J.K. Rowling and were like... I'm really sorry this isn't right, that J.K. Rowling realised she had made a huge mistake. By this point, she couldn't rewrite the entire chapter. It was too late because the first initial was out there. The only thing she could do was swap the name Lily and James at every point. They appeared at different points. Hmm. So all their lines became each other's. So the lines that you're reading were meant to be each other's lines because she'd written it that James arrived for... So, and it's it, it makes me sad because James arrives and all he says is, your mother's coming soon. And Harry is comforted by that fact because all he wants in this moment is his mother. I prefer that so much because I had my notes around this because what fucks me off in the books, and we mentioned this before is Harry is fucking obsessed with his dad and does not give two shits about his mother. No, no. The way J.K. Rowling wrote it was that she wanted James to appear and Harry to be like, oh my God, it's my dad. But realise all he wanted is that in that moment was his mother. Lily then appears and explains what Harry must do to get to the portkey. It's yeah. Lily that does that. Okay. But then J.K. Rowling has so no much. time to rewrite yeah. the chapter. It was too late because of the mistake she made. So all she could do is swap the names, Lily and yeah. James. I prefer that so much because how it happens in my edition 
is that Lily appears. No. Yeah, Lily appears yeah, out the wall and says appears, your father is and waiting. Says, yeah, literally just says dad is coming and he wants to see you. And it's just like, it icks me out. And it wouldn't if this was a standalone thing, but it's this reoccurring, like Harry is so obsessed by any like memory of his father the whole way through and never gives any thought to his mum. So I thought this was just playing into that, that it's just like Lily just being so like, you've never heard of this mistake before. No, just being like, don't worry about me. Your dad's coming. I know he's the one you care about. And like that just fucked me off. So the interesting thing is I had never picked up on this mistake. As a kid, I, I'd never really think about the f- thought about the fact that James died first I just kind of accepted this chapter as it was I'm kind of annoyed because it would have been great to realize this as I was doing the close reading for the podcast but I did hear about it a few years ago but I had only ever read the book in the form I have which is the original first Mm. edition and then I've gone and looked listened to the audiobook read the later editions and I like Neil read the later edition when he was rereading this book and he read the other way it's written and it makes me sad that the later editions aren't the way she intended Mm. Because she intended this moment of Harry wanting his mother. And then also his mum so, having this knowledge because James just coming along and being like, okay, here's what you need to do is such like a man thing. Like the man comes along and saves the day by telling him what to do. And I so much prefer that it's Lily. What I would find now, this is where again, I'm going to ask about your editions. So I know this is a mistake in the British first edition and I know it wasn't connected correct till fans wrote in but i know at this point that other countries editions were being released on the same day as the uk edition so what i want to know is if other countries editions have this mistake so i need you to tell me on twitter what order james and lily come out in and what edition your book is and what country you live in because there are a lot of small mistakes in my first editions but this is such a big mistake that she did completely accidentally and i can see why she did it but also priori and cantatum is in reverse and you know what order james and lily died in it was such a stupid mistake we do love a good mistake but this is the first one that actually changes the narrative as opposed to just being like oh Oh, funny yeah exactly exactly oh that is brilliant i love love that you made notes on it because i was gonna go on a whole rant about what a disservice it it is to lily but that makes it better but it's it's sad that in the permanent editions of the book everything existing that's going to continue going forward it says your father's coming soon whereas i love that your mother's coming she wants to speak to you yeah totally (laughs) so so all my notes now differ from yours because the lines switch around. Yeah, but I said I said what I was going to say. Okay, so. so Cedric then Shadow Cedric asks for his body back, which yeah, my heart. But also, it makes it so much harder for Harry to get back to Hogwarts. Yeah. So Harry yells now, apparently because he just wants to give Voldemort as much notice as yeah, possible. Just run, Harry. Just run. Don't announce it. You're so dumb. Uh, he breaks the connection and the shadows close in on Voldemort. Harry runs and knocks over some Death Eaters. He's then somehow miraculously dodging all their spells, he ducking behind graves. He impedimenters two of them, which, yeah. like, this is the point where we know Harry is actually, like, badass. He impedimenters two Dementors who are chasing yep. him. So he jumps Death over eaters. the cup, grabs Cedric's body. Voldemort's almost at him and he going... He jumps over the cup. Yeah. He knows he, has to go he past, could die. Yeah. He has to go. It's not like the cup is further on than Cedric. The cup is closer. And this is the point where you just realise how selfless yeah. Harry is. Yeah, for sure. Voldemort's approaching and he's yelling at the other Death Eaters not to kill him and that he's mine, he's mine. He's mine, he's mine. Even though you're like Voldemort, you're just trying. And you, you saw how that went. Just let them kill him. <laughs> and he says he'll kill him. He starts to raise his wand. Harry grabs Cedric's body realizes how far away the cup is and this is the point where if this was me i would have died had i already not died because yeah. i would have just like grabbed cedric's body went oh fuck the cup's really far away and yeah. either abandoned cedric's body or just kind of laid there and died in a panic because i just freeze like but I, harry no 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 he uses axio accio axio accio axio 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 don't fight me and the cup flies to him which again is crouch teaching him things to yeah. escape from Voldemort. this chapter so fucking i can't go and i'll get this chapter and but I'm just it's gonna go so wrong. smart i'm sorry like under pressure it's so my brain would freeze because I'm he'd nev- already done it under yeah. pressure he'd already done it because crouch told him all you need is a simple spell yeah 
But yeah, my brain would have just farted. I mean, why is the port key returning him is a question. I guess to return the body. I guess. I guess they set it up to return the body. Fine, yeah. fine, 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 so, fine, 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 fine. I mean, great chapters. I don't even need to ask you what you thought of them because they were so good. Yeah. They were so good, Charlie. They were so good. So good. So we have a question Woo! from Mike. If tomorrow you were given a wand and the ability to do any spell you wanted, how would you use magic to enhance your life? So I'm guessing just one spell, right? To do any spell. Oh no, any spell you wanted. So I guess. <laughs> okay, all so of it's them. not really a spell. But, but I, I don't think that has to be one spell. Okay. Any spell to enhance your well, life. Well, I truly believe the key to wizards living a better life is apparition. Mm how much time do you waste traveling places not during corona during normal life infinite infinite like think of any job you have even a job that you think this has a good commute my five minute one at my last company right. literally not even a five minute walk like a, t- a two right. minute walk maybe not that one but like <laughs> no, but it's still word <laughs> but it's still there was that time when i got it was a had a big presentation you know the kind of one i'm talking about yeah. uh that morning and then i was obviously just getting in five like five minutes before i needed to because i lived two minutes away got halfway there and then my skirt literally just ripped in half yeah, and I fell off so you know apparition would have stopped that yeah but i feel like apparition just like right if you think about it okay at one point in my life this was a low time but i had a total four and a half hour commute total for the day so two and a quarter hours there two and a quarter hours back do you know what i could have done with that fucking time and even like a job which i think has a good commute a good commute in london is like 40 minutes yeah that's a good commute and then but that's then double it yeah double it apparition that's the key you get proper sleep you get hobbies apparition man that's what i do yeah i would also uh, i feel like i'd love to be able to like mind read that's like i know that's not exactly like a spell as such would you would would you want to know what people are thinking selectively okay so you know when like your boss puts like a meeting in your diary and you don't know if it's a catch-up or if you're somehow being fired (laughs) despite having done nothing wrong (laughs) me and charlie text each other because we have this constant fear of being fired yeah uh, like for no reason no we're just reason. really really anxious but uh, i would love at the that time to be able to like mind read just to be able to be like it's just a catch-up it's literally just a catch-up yeah because please tweet us if every time your boss asks for a catch-up you also convince yourself you've been fired for no reason the word uh, catch-up actually brings me out in sweats like yeah. i'm like no it can't cope it's so irrational and even when it's like okay my my manager's just been off for two weeks she just wants to catch up i'm no. like a catch up i'm gonna be fired i'm fired what else i don't know there's a lot i think a lot of it would be anxiety based for me anything i can do magically to just stop me living in hell i think a lot of it is time saving things because like discount corona but a lot of your adult life feels like i could do that if i have more time and there's so many time sucky things like i don't own a dishwasher so doing the washing up mm. cooking exercising like all these things which or cleaning which are like mandatory time sucks on my day that leave me with an hour of relax or fun Basically, time we need like a house elf but no i want to do it myself but with magic but maybe yeah. apparition i feel like would solve a lot of those issues that was a very good question that was a really thank good you question, very much Mike. thank you and that's the end of this episode oh my god these chapters are so fucking good we love them and the next few chapters are also really exposition-y so yeah exposition queens uh-huh. sorry for the lack of funnies yeah thank you for listening bye bye <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Veronica, Sydney, Sandra, Samuel, Redbeard, Mutalib, Mike, Katie, Catherine, Carl, Nathan and Amanda. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.